0: Welcome to One Long Conversation. I'm Sonia. And I'm Colby. This is a podcast about spiritual awakening.
1: Yeah, and through that we talk about art, culture, conscious parenting, and healing yourself so you can express and freely share your unique perspective with this world.
0: This is a fun and informative conversation that we have daily, and we're sharing it with you.
1: Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy.
0: are we're chatting about a subject that we we storyboarded, shall we say. Um which is it's a topic that obviously I know more about in origins and and the textbook definitions of than you do simply because I studied both at being you know, under the umbrella that I have of being a wellness counselor. But one of the reasons why we talked about discussing traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine is also because you grew up receiving both with possibly not really being aware that you were receiving both, even though I talked... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably at times.
1: Yeah, I mean, I probably, detail. I probably wasn't aware when I was like, you know, five. But any, time post, uh, <laughs> post initial brain development, I think I was probably very aware. You know,
0: were you? Because I, I feel like sometimes you just didn't care. You were, you were busy reading a book or were playing legos or building bionicles uh, i or... didn't
1: i didn't care to investigate deeply anything that contradicted my presence socially with the rest of my classmates so yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> that's
0: the best statement it's <laughs> You know, just as a side note, when I would go into Maplewood Elementary when before I put you in the Odyssey program, and and it was somebody's birthday party, and I came in with the the soy ice cream, carob coated oatmeal cookie ice cream sandwiches for you. I would come and bring it in, and you're sitting there. And you're with all your friends, you're with the Tyler Taylors and da 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 da's and all the Jacks and the, <laughs> all the boys with some of the same names, the Sam's. And you would see me if you, when you looked up and you saw me walk through the door and the classroom was having the big birthday party and they were about ready to dole out all of the grocery store cancer causing sugar flavor colored filth. And I'd come and bring you the vegan organic junk food, you were never too thrilled to see me. (laughs) No,
1: (laughs) no, no, I I was not.
0: (laughs) You weren't. And I knew that. And I was just doing my healthy parental duty of bringing that to you. And I know that you were the only one sitting there with the vegan junk food dessert. And I know you were feeling very strange and very weird. However, in, in hindsight, in perspective, one of the Sams, a Jehovah's Witness, was not allowed to even stay for the yeah. birthday party.
1: Yeah. I felt I, uh, so badly for him when I walked in. I felt, I felt in. bad for him, you know. He had to go
0: sit in the library and wait for his mom to pick him up. And I that know. just felt so tragic to me. And so that gave me some perspective. And I was like, of course, my children are going to be a part of this. But we're going, and my perspective was always, we're going to be the example of a healthier way of being, which is hard for a kid.
1: Well, here's the thing though. A a kid doesn't really know how to be an example. So it's, it's a lot to ask of a child to I'm being honest, it's, (laughs) it's a lot to ask of a child It is to have a child be the, the one that goes against the grain and, and, and Food is one of those things because it's such a simple it's just a simple, very dopaminergic experience for the brain. Food is one of those things that most cultures have formed some level of connection. Oh and all cultures over. have formed connection Absolutely. around food. all Absolutely. I was actually
0: talking with my client online today. About so that.
1: on the one hand, I definitely, you know i'm I am very grateful to have been raised with the understanding that most food in america is uh horrible for you and it is unfortunate that most people form you know relationships over the basis of food that is so heavily plasticated and modified that it it has long-term ramifications that we are really only just beginning to discover um but on on from a child's perspective it it is actually somewhat traumatizing to be No, I know. And you've told me that many times. Yeah.
0: And I was not walking into your schoolroom without that awareness. I knew all of that awareness being a conscious parent. And, you know, I mean, I consciously got pregnant with you and consciously birthed you and consciously raised you. I knew, however, what my soul was telling me. I knew what my intuition was telling me. And that was, we have to bring change. And in order to bring change into a world that is being led, um, enticed, cajoled, and seduced into sickness and death through food stuff or frankenfood, as it is also known as, I knew that we had to be the different family, I knew that there would be, you know, repercussions to that. I knew that, but I had to listen to my intuition. Just like I I did not slowly walk away from the allopathic medicinal system. I shut the door on it. It never worked for me, except uh, the couple of times when I stepped on a very long hat pin as a child and had to be rushed to the emergency room. Another time when I stepped on a corrugated metal fence that was embedded in the ground in my bare feet, and again, cut the same place open in my foot, had to be rushed to the hospital. And when I had my oral surgeries, two oral surgeries, those were the only times that allopathic was beneficial for me. But I knew from a very young age of being given medications for issues that I had and the medications made my issues worse. I knew that what my parents or namely my mother was giving me was not helping me. And I knew that at a very young age, my body was talking to me. It was yelling at me. And I remember being in high school and deciding after doing a long bout of major substance because that I felt at the time was the only way I was going to be able to get through high school in the 80s, tough time. High school's tough enough anyway. That I remember being 17 and being completely Wasted, completely inebriated, and on some sort of pills, painkillers, along with alcohol, smoking cigarettes, and at the time we called it pot. Um, smoking pot. I knew when I was completely under, I just had, and it was probably my higher self coming in and just saying, you will raise your children differently. And it, the seed was planted then. And then when I moved to New York City as an older teenager, my body just began rejecting absolutely everything that I was given when I was growing up, the food, the drugs, all of it. And at the age of 20, I began water fasting. And it was really through that, that it was like, I can't, I can't do medicine. It was just, I didn't know any other medicine. I can't do, I can't do medicine anymore. Can't do it anymore. I can't raise my kids anymore because I was already preparing for you guys. Knew I was going to be a parent. I was like, I can't raise my kids this way. So, you know, fast forward to being 27, coming upon my 28th birthday and learning that I'm pregnant with you. And I was already prepared to do everything naturally already had been prepared since I lived in New York when I was 2021 20, and so there was absolutely no question that I was not going the medical route it was we're going to do this naturally the way humans used to do this before the industrial age came in and I knew then that this was not going to be the easiest path to take the plan was that we were going to find healthy back to earth community which we did a little bit in Portland, Oregon. But I had not planned on putting you in public school and that was the hardest part. Was putting you in public school where I knew that you were going to be the sore thumb sticking out. And we just kept on that path because as you and I've been talking about several times today, consistency is key. you got to be consistent. Being the way shower is not easy, and it can be perceived as traumatic, yes, especially through children's eyes. But it's brought you up to be the way shower today.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean i i feel I feel grateful in the sense that you know i I have a a strong foundation health-wise Um, and I also feel, I feel very grateful to myself. I naturally am extremely self-searching and because of that, I have been able to deal with a lot of my traumas. I think that If I were not that way, it would be much more difficult and you would see many more long term implications as I grew into an adult.
0: Of course. Mm -hmm. But I also raised the three of you being very honest with you and sharing with you what was going on for real. We never hid anything. Mm -hmm. I made sure that I spoke to you in a way that was appropriate to speak to small children without giving you adult details that you couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. And I would say the three of you have a level of awareness that many people, your, your generation don't have mm-hmm. because of that. And so when, and it was traditional Chinese medicine that came into our world first because I was, I had a progesterone imbalance, so I was having a hard time sticking to pregnancy. I had a lot of pregnancies I kept miscarrying. And it was through a dance class, one of the dance classes that I did in Portland, um, that one of the women in the dance class, I was telling her that I had just miscarried again. And she said, Oh, you should try TCM. I said, I don't know what that is. And she said, traditional Chinese medicine, you should go to the uh, naturopathic college. It was a college at that time and go to the Chinese division. And she said, they, they have, um, a student observation. Group that you can actually go in and have the doctor look at you along with students if you're okay with that it's a lot less it's, it's much cheaper and when she said that to me and i had tried the naturopath and we were we were using naturopathic medicine homeopathics and that was not helping i had tried everything in that area i had tried going to spring hot springs We went to Brighton Bush Hot Springs and I went and sat in Hot Springs. You came with us. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Oh, yeah,
1: I do. I definitely remember that.
0: You were in a swim diaper. It was so cute. You had a lot of fun at the Hot Springs.
1: I did really like the Hot Springs. Yeah,
0: you did. So we did that. Um... I, we, you know, we tried the different positions of having sex to successfully stick it. Yes, there are those ways to. There's, there's like nothing. I tried changing, you know, eating, there's, you're supposed to eat some sort of fruit or whatever to, to, you know, or take a certain herb. Those are all supposed to be high in progesterone. None of that worked. And so in um, November of 1999, I went to the naturopathic college in Portland and went into the Chinese clinic. And I I had an exam basically by Dr. Hao Sheng Zhang, who was a teacher there at the time. And there were probably about eight um students who were in their third year and observing. And it was so profound. It was so simple. What he checked. He looked at my legs to see if I crossed my legs. He looked under the table, had all the other students look under the table, didn't tell me what they were looking for. And I did not cross my legs. And he said, oh, you're not crossing your legs. I said, no, I don't cross my legs. And he said, why don't you cross your legs? I said, "Um, from what I understand, it causes varicose veins. And he said, very good. He said, you cross the streams, you cross the negative and the positive polarities, and it causes a circulatory backup. And I said, oh, so that's true. He said, yes. Yes. And then he wanted to take my pulse on both sides. And then he wanted to look on the top of my tongue and underneath my tongue. And it literally took 10 seconds. Let me see your tongue. Da, 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 da. And suddenly he's talking with the students and assessing, assessing, assessing. And then he looks at me and he says to me, you probably have a progesterone imbalance, which is why you're dumping viable pregnancies. And acupuncture and and Chinese herbs can help you if you would like that. Does that sound good to you? (laughs) He was inviting. And then he began to explain to me and the students what he was going to do and how it was going to affect my body so that I'd be educated. Completely different. Um, With traditional Chinese medicine, they don't treat the symptoms. They treat the entire body because the entire body is an entire system. And they get your chi flowing or your prana and, and yoga. They get your life force flowing. When you have a physical symptom, it's because there's an imbalance of chi in your body. And to me, I when I learned that, that made absolute complete sense to me. I said, okay. And I proceeded to have over the course of six weeks, I had five acupuncture it was my very first time getting acupuncture five acupuncture and sometimes he did the moxibustion where he puts the uh, the mugwort ash in there and burns it right at the very insertion of the needle into your hmm. your meridian Interesting. oh yeah you've not experienced what was that, that like um well mugwort smells amazing <laughs> mugwort is an incredible herb i love it mugwort tea is said to strengthen chi in the body and if you go to a um, a korean spa where you do hot sauna and steam bath they will usually have a cold water like in a jacuzzi right next to the steam bath or the sauna room they will have a cold mugwort uh, pool where they have these little pans and you dip it into the freezing cold mugwort water and dump it over your head when you come out of the heat and it smells you would love it it's so amazing this is just a standard in korean spas whether you're masculine or feminine spas so that just blew my mind the moxibustion i loved that and Then he gave me the Chinese herbs to drink. And the herbs were made completely different each time based on what the patterns and the color of my tongue on top and bottom looked like and how strong my pulse was. And my pulse was weak on my left side, hence the lack of progesterone. My pulse was too strong on my right side, so my chi was imbalanced. I wasn't receiving enough. I didn't have a strong enough feminine side. So the Chinese herbs, got the chi flowing more and also helped my liver because he said, you have an afflicted liver. I said, what does that mean? He said, your liver is clogged. And then he looks, says, let me see your tongue again. I showed him my tongue. And I was like, do you want to see the bottom? No, just top. (laughs) And I said, okay. And he said, from birth, like, how do you find that? And he showed me the back of the tongue where you can see where the organs show up and how long it's been there. And I mean, the man, he's a master. He's retired. He's a master. Wow!
1: I wonder how they developed that that ability. You okay, know?
0: so that's where that's where reading this comes in. So I'm at the American College of Traditional Chinese Medicine dot um, edu slash Chinese Medicine site, and because I it, this is so important that everybody gets really educated on this, and I learned this when I did massage cupping level one training, and we had to learn. As a body worker, we had to learn the tradition of Chinese medicine because massage cupping is a part of Chinese medicine. So Chinese medicine is a rich medical system that has existed in some form for more than 3,000 years. Mm -hmm. So it's old. And it goes back to the Han Dynasty, 206 BCE to 220 CE. There were ancient writings that describe a medicine that focused on the circular movement of qi, air or vapor, and shui, blood. Ill health is understood as stagnation, deficiency, or the improper movement of qi or shui and may result in an imbalance of yin, feminine, and yang, masculine. These disharmonies were understood in terms of concepts that are very different from the conceptual basis of Western medicine, which focuses on ideas about disease that center on a linear sequence of adverse events, leading to a frank state of pathology that was not only observable, but also tangible. So it says, over several millennia, Chinese medicine has evolved into a sophisticated medical system with its own understanding of anatomy, physiology, pathology, and therapeutics. And this is all based on getting to the root cause of the problem in the body. So what I learned in massage cupping level one, because I've taken two and I've been certified in two levels of massage cupping forever ago. In massage cupping level one, we learned that the body must circulate at all times. Everything must flow, always. If you have stagnation, then the energy stops and we build up blockages energetically. And those can manifest as physical blockages, tumors, cysts, piles, tags, you name it. And when we have those, those blockages, that creates ill health. We then develop symptoms and Western medicine focuses on the symptoms That's why Western medicine is not really working for people because it doesn't get into the root cause of the problem. So once I really learned this, I treated everything in our family from that perspective. I knew that the body heals itself. That's another thing that TCM is a proponent of. It understands that the body heals itself. Ayurvedic medicine also understands that the body heals itself. In yoga, we understand that the body heals itself. In astrology, we understand that the body heals itself, which is why every sign rules a certain body part and body area. We understand that if the endocrine system, the glands that secrete hormones, if they aren't balanced, then the body's imbalanced and the body is going to start exhibiting symptoms of those imbalances. So in massage cupping, we learn that we have to get everything flowing. We have to get the chi moving and flowing. In Ayurveda, it's about getting the prana, the life force flowing. And once everything's flowing, and that's all you have to do, you literally just have to get all of the life force flowing. Once the life force is flowing, the body heals itself. You don't have to take a bunch of internal pills. You don't have to go under a bunch of harmful x-rays. You don't have to go under the knife. Traditional Chinese medicine, along with Ayurvedic medicine, they do not practice surgeries. In traditional Chinese medicine, you have little acupuncture needles that are put in certain um, meridian points. For me, I'm very, very sensitive. So the and Dr. Zhang, he did the traditional Chinese acupuncture application. So it's almost like darts, but really close up. He takes his finger and he can find where the meridian is with his fingers. So there's almost kind of like a psychic touch aspect to it, but he would never admit that. But I was watching him do it and I'm like, oh my God, this man's got psychic touch. He'd touch, touch, oh, he'd find the stagnation. He'd take his needle, he'd just pull it back, and he'd just go, <laughs> and, then, and I'm like, oh. And then he, then he then he takes the needle and he twists it. And I'm like, Nerve, crazy electricity. And then he'd do this. You feel that? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, yes. Don't, don't just, don't twist it anymore. And then he'd go, oh, you're so sensitive. <laughs> and then he'd go to the next point. And the place where he put the needles usually had, it wasn't anywhere near where the symptoms were. It was in different areas. It was fascinating. So I experienced five acupuncture and chinese herb sessions with him and the chinese herbs were nasty And by the way every single batch of herbs that he made for me and they were all different all of them had three goji berries on the bottom yep they were horrible they tasted bitter they tasted like nasty Pond scum? Yes, I've tasted my nasty pond scum before, and they were so. I was just like, oh, oh! It was like, like dead jellyfish juice on the the beach. It was just like, oh god, this is really. I can almost imagine this is what a sea anemone tastes like. This is terrible. And after drinking the very first dose, the first cup, my vision got clearer. Um, my skin cleared up. Uh, Because I had eczema, skin cleared up. Uh, I noticed gas and bloating started to diminish. Because I had IBS, I just noticed that my body immediately began to respond in a favorable way. I slept more deeply. I had deeper dreams, and I was like, "Okay, something's to this." And then I noticed that my December 1999 menstrual cycle flowed way normally than it ever did, and I was like, "Okay." And so then I had my last treatment in early January of 2000 and he really, he really intensely put the needles, he put needles over each ovary and my uterus, which was crazy, it was so crazy. And he put them at my feet where the uterus and the ovary points are. He put them at my wrist points and he put them on the sides of my neck, just underneath my earlobes where the uterus and ovary points are. And I was, I actually lived there for an hour my theory, which I don't know if it's true, is that he overstimulated my ovaries. <laughs> That's my theory. It felt like that because both sides of my body were on fire and they put a heat lamp right over your body as you're lying there because you can't cover up because you got needles on your bare skin. And then, you know, you're covered up a bit. But I I mean, I had my pants pulled way, way down to my pubic bone so he could get to my ovaries and my uterus. And oh my God, it was so intense. He had the heat lamp right over it. And I'm just like lying there and and you can't move because if you move, you're going to feel the needles. Can't move. And I'm lying there for an hour and I'm just like, I'm literally lying there and I kind of, it reminded me a bit of Nick Cage in Viva Las Vegas where he's jumping out of the plane as an elf flying Elvis. And he's like, I showed you that thing on YouTube and he's doing each side of the parachute and he's like, This is for whatever her name is, Sarah Jessica Parker's thing. This is for her. I'm doing this for her. I'm doing this for her. I did I laid there and I was like, I'm doing this for the baby. I'm doing this for the baby. This is all for the baby. This is so intense. Then I felt like
1: Oh my god.
0: Oh, it was so intense for me. Each one. It was so intense. I hate acupuncture. It's really effective, but I feel it so deeply. I was like, I literally had this feeling when I was done. he says, okay, you make an appointment to come back. And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I right now feel so saturated. I feel so electric. I don't even know what to do. Like I can barely stay in my body. I feel like I have just been turned back on and he goes, "Oh, well, okay, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can barely even stay in my body. I feel so electric. And he's like, oh, good. Okay. Well, you call when you're ready. And then a few days later, your father and I had sex and I got lit up. And an hour later, I was told by my higher self that I was pregnant with twins. I biovulated. It was insane. And I took the pregnancy test at night when your urine is the most diluted and you shouldn't do the pregnancy test. And I was like, holy Crimey. I got I was pregnant on a Thursday in January. We had just watched that dumb show Frasier. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. I, mean, I was sitting there on the edge of the bed. We were eating dessert. You were you were reading us like a massive pile of books in your room. And I was just like, wow, my I was hot. My spine was on fire. My ovaries were on fire. My nipples were on fire. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And I was. That's how effective traditional Chinese medicine is. Hmm. So. Yeah, I would like
1: to, I'd like to know more about like what, I wish, I wish I knew more about like the process of acupuncture, like why they do the things that they do. That's really interesting.
0: Oh, it's fascinating. And it's very complex. And once you learn it, you know it. So since I successfully gave birth to a child at home in the water after receiving five five sessions of traditional Chinese medicine with Dr. Sheng Zhang, I have referred probably more than 200 women to him who were having fertility issues. And I probably heard back from over 100 of them after having a minimum of three treatments from him and all of them successfully became pregnant and gave birth. That's how powerful TCM is. Wow. Yep. So he specialized in women's health and he was amazing and an incredible professor, an cur- incredible teacher, well respected at the naturopathic college, now the university, and opened up his own clinic in Southeast Portland, which is where I continued to see him. So he was my primary care physician for several years. After that, and he helped me to keep my pregnancy with Kyan as well. I went in for just two treatments just to make sure that everything was solid. And I continued to see him when I was experiencing a blockage in chi. And it's so funny because when I would go see him, he'd look at my tongue and then he'd go, You're so healthy. Why are you here? You've heard that story from me many times. I have. Why are you here? You're so healthy. <laughs> and I said, Because I'm getting headaches. Looks at my tongue, he goes, you want treatment? I do. Okay, I'll give you treatment. And then he and his wife, they were so sweet, they'd give me a gift of a massive box of organic green tea from the Hunan province. <laughs> like, Because I'd send so many people to them. They were yeah. great. And then the last time I saw him, he was so sweet, he didn't even charge me.
1: Oh, wow. Because I'd
0: sent so many people to him. He was so sweet. And he's like, you don't need this. I'm like, I do, Dr. Zhang. I said, I'm having menstrual imbalances. And then he looked at my tongue and he said, how old are you? And I think I was 45. And he said, you're getting close to menopause. I mean, he was, he was that wonderful. He was so relaxed, so supportive. So traditional Chinese medicine, I have used it a lot. I've had acupuncture from, I think, four other people besides him who did not do the traditional Chinese medicine method of spearing that thing in there. They were much more gentler, uh, gentler about it. But I... I would say I pretty much swear by TCM. It works. It's incredible. And then we go to Ayurvedic medicine. And Ayurvedic medicine, I mean, what what do you remember about Ayurvedic medicine?
1: Well, it deals with uh, the doshas. You have the kapha or the earth water dosha, vata, which would be air. Then you have pitta, which is fire, and these different doshas are, I believe they separate them all into different organs in the body, so different organs can be can sort of uh, attributed to different doshas, or different doshas can be attributed to different organs, I mean, uh, meaning that you can have, for example, a pitta constitution in your gut, meaning that you have a fiery gut, meaning that you uh, respond better to... I guess in this case, you would be looking for the thing that most balances out your gut. So if you have a very strong pitta gut, you might respond well to heavier foods or things more on a kapha kapha line because those things would create more of a strong balance, whereas things that are more of like pitta foods, things that are very spicy, very oily, uh, those might, if you have a strong pitta constitution and all the rest of your body, including your gut, they might give you some imbalances. your brain, you might feel a little bit more unfocused, you might feel rash, quick to anger. Um, If you are vata constitution, then it would probably also be better to have some more grounding kapha foods or some more pitta foods if you lack uh, direction, um, because vata can sometimes be a little bit listless. If you don't have other Pitta characteristics, you can kind of factor in Vedic astrology to this. So you can say, for example, that if you're somebody who is, you know, in Vedic astrology ruled more by air signs, then you would probably be more of a uh, you would you would have a lot of ideas, you would have a lot of energy. Um, maybe hard to direct that energy. Maybe hard to focus. So, whatever makes you focus, that could be Pitta foods, that could be Kaffa foods. Kaffa foods would bring you into the earth, it would ground you, might make you slower. Pitta foods would make you faster. If you're Kaffa, if you're more of an earth water, uh, then you would probably want to focus either more on Pitta or Vata foods. Um, pitta would obviously give you that strength, that direction, uh, that fire. That's something that a lot of people need in our society because our society is extremely Pitta driven. So if you want to have prolonged focus, if you want to be able to operate at least somewhat within like Western society especially, um, finding a way, I think, to bring out more pitta in your system is going to be a good idea. Um, vata foods, we would, be, uh, we would be looking at more fruits. Uh, we would be looking at things that are lighter, things that don't really leave as much of an impact that you can eat more of um and it's much healthier to eat whole foods and fruits and vegetables anyway so that should already be kind of a a focus
0: good and you know i brought in ayurvedic ayurvedic eating later simply because i learned it once i started getting to the yoga studios and the yoga studios that i went to in portland which are now closed they we had a strong Emphasis on more traditional Indian studies, Vedic, and a vegetarian diet, which is very yogic. And we had um, in one of the studios, we had a Sanskrit scholar that came in. In my teacher training, we actually had one of the women lived in ashrams in India and learned Sanskrit and was actually teaching the Sanskrit alphabet and the pronunciations and was teaching us words. She's American and. It was incredibly helpful, and Ayurveda came in through several people and you know, learning your doshas your your elemental types is important i'm going I'm going to um, speak out a website here that's really good to get a free dosha test. Um, a lot of people go to chopra.com but I don't like Chopra's site, and I don't think that you get as much of a comprehensive uh, dosha test on that the The site that I like to use is Ayurveda rejuvenation.com. A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A-R-E-J-U-V-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. And that's slash dosha hyphen self hyphen test slash. And uh, it says Ambika's Ayurveda on the front. It's a a really good site to do your own dosha test. And we will have, we're all three doshas. We have all three of the elements. Vata is air, ether, spirit. And pitta is fire. And kapha or kappa, depending on what dialect. I learned it originally actually is kapha. Kapha is earth, water, element. And we have all of them. And as you had shared, for those with a, a, a driven pitta constitution, I have a pitta personality type. Um, so we want to do things that are more kapha-oriented. We want to bring in walking outside barefoot every day and soil, earthing. We want to uh, take more baths so that we can immerse in water and cool down and balance out. Um, for pittas, watch the spice. Cinnamon actually is a really good spice for pittas. It's a little bit more cooling. Um, So is cumin. It's a really good cooling spice. Um, But for people that have strong pitta in their personality type, in their dosha, um, eat more colder salads, more greens, blanched greens or steamed greens, more blanched or steamed vegetables, um, a little bit heavier sauces, go ahead and have that almond butter and, you know, raw tahini, things like that. Um Pittas need more oil because actually oil is a, is a kapha thing. So oil is heavy. Anything that's really heavy is going to go under the kaffa dosha column. So you want to calm your body with more cooling foods and more heavier foods, but you being a pitta, that's not always the easiest thing to do because you love spice.
1: Yeah, I technically I believe uh my pitta is secondary in my constitution. Yeah, yeah, so I, I'm it primarily is your vata. vata, yeah.
0: You're vata pitta.
1: Yeah, exactly. But your
0: digestive system is pitta.
1: Yeah, it certainly acts that way. I do like a lot of spice, but I do notice that that when I eat a lot of spice, I do get this very like I get this very buzzy electric feeling in my head. It's very it's a very interesting feeling. I've been able to notice there I've been definitely been able to notice like some differences in feeling between eating like certain types of foods, heavier foods. I definitely have less of like a change in feeling. Like if I eat heavy like root vegetables, if I eat like salads, if I eat uh you know heavy soups or stews, things that have a lot of a lot of uh substance to them um, beans rice things like that Uh, and i tend to keep the seasoning a little bit more subtle i i find that that tends to make me feel just kind of normal at home in my body i feel pretty pretty normal Um, if i eat things that are really spicy i get a very heady feeling
0: yeah, you, you act kind of high sometimes mm-hmm. when you've eaten a lot of spice. And I know there are times when I've come in the door and you have fried some serious heat. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, I can barely breathe. Here. I actually, fried I actually don't, and pepper. I don't
1: cook with spice much anymore. But but I definitely like I have noticed the past couple of times when I have eaten really spicy food, like. Yeah, it's, it it's like a heady, buzzy feeling. It can be a little hard to control that if I really have eaten a lot of spice. And I don't I don't necessarily like that feeling a whole lot, which is kind of why I like toned it back a bit. But mm. but I do really like spice. I like I yeah. like how spice is. I like the feeling of eating spice in the moment.
0: I know you always have you've always loved spice even when you were a baby you actually loved spice when I was mm-hmm. pregnant with you it was insane I was craving spice and sour so much but the thing is is that depending on your digestive system dosha type because that can be different than your entire body dosha type the dom the dosha dominance. Um, I have a vata digestive system, which is the most challenging. It's the most irritable, has the most problems out of the three dosha types. And what I have found from observation of people and their different doshas, and I've kind of assessed the clients over the years and just talked with people in the yoga community who are very aware of Ayurveda and have done their dosha tests. I have talked with enough people to kind of assess that, you have, we have a tendency to be very attracted to the food that exacerbates our digestive dosha. And it's almost like we get a dopamine effect from eating the food that's going to irritate our digestive system and then our entire body the most. Like my, I have a vata digestive system. And what is vata? Vata air ether, dry food. What's my ver- What's one of my favorite foods? Dehydrated <laughs> foods, dry, crunchy, salty. When I was growing up, I was addicted to dry country, country, crunchy, salty potato chips and snack chips. And it gave me the worst gas and bloating, the worst. I love kale chips. I make my own kale chips. I eat them all the time, but yeah, they definitely exacerbate. Also, For the Vata system, peanuts is one of the worst things that you could eat. Peanuts is so bad for the Vata digestive. Peanuts aren't great anyway. They're super high in mold. But man, those are addictive, especially to those of us that have a Vata digestive system. And so dry, crunchy, light, airy, chippy, snacky foods. We love them and we get addicted. And then... We can't stop. And then we have the same reaction. I kind of get floaty, heady above my body, have a hard time getting in my body, and then I have all this digestive upset because my system is like, oh, what did you do? So for, for kapha digestive systems, which my father has one, they should not eat so much kapha food, heavy, oily, comfort food, And yet that seems to be the food that they gravitate to the most. And it just makes them more complacent. It makes them more lethargic. They don't want to take action. Also, one of the worst things in Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine both talk about this. One of the worst things that you could ever drink is cold drinks and ice, and ice drinks, because it dilutes stomach acid and heat, and the digestive system needs heat in order to properly process and uptake the electricity and the vitamins and the minerals in the food. And in the West, we are addicted to cold drinks. If you watch any sort of Asian food channels or people who go to Asia, foodie YouTubers who go to Asia, you, they talk about this. They're like, Asians think we are crazy in the West to drink cold drinks. They start their morning with hot tea. They start their morning with hot miso soup. They start their day with a hot liquid in order to calm the system and to bring up the digestive fire so that they can properly digest everything throughout the day. Because they're not eating everything that's great, If you know, in in... Asia today, they used to, but they don't since the West came in and brought them all of our garbage. So that's, and that's another thing is it's both TCM and Ayurveda promote starting your morning with hot lemon water because the saliva converts the acid of lemon into an alkalized state and that sets the tone. Something that I learned in my massage cupping class uh, in my training, and something that I also learned in my very first um, nutrition course with Dr. Gabriel Cousins. Dr. Gabriel Cousins is a doctor of, of Ayurveda. And he talked about the first thing that you put in your gut in the day sets the tone for your gut flora, for your microbiome. And so you want to make that something that's very supportive, that promotes healthy bacteria. And so you don't want to put something sugary in there. And that's not fruit. Fruit's not sugary. Fruit is whole food. But you don't want to put something processed in your gut first thing in the day. You definitely do not want to put coffee in your gut the first thing in the day because it's acidic and it's a diuretic, so it's going to dehydrate you. You don't want to put dairy in your gut. It's not biocompatible with our system. Our body doesn't our bodies don't make the lactose enzyme in order to break down dairy from animals. We have the human dairy enzyme, the human milk enzyme, and then we don't need that literally after the age of two. Science shows us that human bodies do not need their mother's milk after the age of two, which is why most toddlers walk away from their mother's breast and want to start exploring, you know, drinking from outside of her and eating from outside of her. So you want to put something in your gut that's going to Help support a healthy, balanced microbiome. And in traditional Chinese medicine, in Ayurveda, that is a warm or even a hot alkalizing liquid. Mm. Then you're gonna feel better. You're gonna have sustainable energy throughout your day and you're gonna feel better. What,
1: what is it about fruit that makes the sugar in because fruit is very high in sugar. So what is about what is about fruit that makes the sugar more digestible?
0: Fiber water electricity vitamins and minerals Hmm. and because of that the fiber holds the fruit in your stomach and it holds the glucose because it's glucose that's i mean there's fructose and glucose in fruit and so the fiber and the water hold it there the fiber holds it there and then The stomach does its job of churning it around, but you don't take in most of your nutrients from the stomach. Then it gets dumped down into the small intestine. It's the small intestine where your body takes in most of the nutrients initially. And the fiber is used to not only clean out the digestive system, but it's also there to suspend all of the nutrients and the fructose, which also holds the electricity, so that your body can take that in. And then that penetrates every cell, and then your cell gets its light. Interesting. And then the fiber is also a prebiotic and the prebiotic is about the fibrous cleansing of the mucosal lining of the stomach and then going down into the small intestine. It cleans out parasites. It cleans out nasty bacteria. And I've actually seen this in films microscopically. They've showed it. I got to see this when I went to the American Institute of Natural Health. That was fascinating. As like a Virgo science geek. I was just like, oh my God, they put a tube down. So who felt, and of course my mind goes, who would volunteer to have a tube with a microphone in a or with a camera put down their digestive system while they're eating? <laughs> so you could see all this stuff, but people did. And it's so cool to see it. And then, of course, the fiber and the water then go down through the small intestine and then go through the, the valve and go into the large intestine. Once it goes through the small intestine and it enters the very first part of the large intestine down right on the inside of the right hip. And that's called the sphincter of OD. Or not the sphincter of OD, sorry, that's to the liver. It's um uh the cecum. So the cecum is the very first section of your large intestine, right on the inside of the right hip. That on the very bottom of that is this little hook. And a lot of people had that removed, unfortunately. That's the appendix. The appendix is very, very essential to your digestive system because if there's parasites that survived your stomach acid on your food, the appendix knows this. It has an antiparasitic spray and it goes And it sprays Hmm. the waste that goes in there. And in your cecum, that is where B vitamins, vitamin B12, which is not a vitamin at all, that is a bacteria, and vitamin K are finally taken in. That's the last of the vitamins. Hmm. That's taken in in the cecum. And then the fiber and, of course, peristalsis, the muscular wave of your digestive system, moves everything up to the hepatic flexure, the the um, the little twist right at the liver, And then your body is taking in water the entire time. All this water and the fiber sweeps it through, cleans everything out like little brooms. And then it goes down through the splenic flexure on the left side, right in front of the spleen. And then it goes all the way down into what's called the valves of Houston, which looks like an S. Some doctor named Houston named it after himself.
1: (laughs) They always do that.
0: The valves of Houston, and that's a little S-curve thing. And that is literally a dumping tank. It's like a valve. And when everything goes in there, you get pressure on your anus and your rectum and you feel the need to poop.
1: Fascinating.
0: You feel the need to eliminate. So that
1: process takes like a fairly long time.
0: It takes 18 to 24 hours after a meal. If you've eaten a meal that is biocompatible for your body, that mm. is your body's natural process the digestive system is 30 to 32 feet from mouth to rectum i literally helped to stretch out a digestive system of a cadaver that's and we proved that it looked it was the length of a football field it's crazy what,
1: what are the things that are the most like prominent causes of gunk or mishap in the digestive system
0: number one sugar that's been extracted from its whole food form Sugar causes cancer, and science has proven that.
1: Okay, and I guess, okay, so not to completely derail that, but I guess another question I would have is, like, what separates, like, like yeah, I know there's obviously there's whole fiber in fruit, but, like, what separates fruit besides just the fiber? Like, is there anything that would make the sugars of fruit juice more intolerable? Yeah, because it... you
0: take fruit juice from the whole food form. It's like taking your thumb off of your hand and expecting it to work the same as it does when it's on your hand.
1: But I don't understand I don't understand how that would change the function of the sugar in the juice aside from just not having fiber surrounding it. So
0: there are certain vitamins that evaporate as soon as they hit oxygen. Vitamin mm. C is one of them. So when you make when you squeeze the juice out of of all citrus, oranges, lemons, limes, tangerines, grapefruit, all of that, you lose your vitamin C as soon as it hits air. Interesting. So the fiber holds that in, in its whole food form. So you take a grapefruit piece, you take a slice of grapefruit out. It's still in its little edible skin. You put the whole thing in your mouth, you start to take it apart, you find the seeds, you spit the seeds out, and you suck out all of the fruit from those little, those little membranes with that thready pea, that thready line on the top. And some people like to eat that. I never found that to be very edible. So you can take that and you spit that out, but everything's in your mouth already. And then your enzymes of your saliva are mixing in with the juices and the fibers and the fructose and the vitamin C and your body is taking it in. Remember everything absorbs more easily under your tongue, sublingual. That is a direct um, connection to your circulatory system. Mm. So the mouth was created perfectly to assimilate all of the nutrients and the electricity in the fruit. We weren't meant to peel fruit unless the skin is not edible, like in mangoes, it's not edible, or papayas, or coconut, or avocado Oranges. skins. Oranges. Any, but some,
1: any citrus. Some people do like eat kumquats. that, though. I don't understand how. That's Okay, gross. so the <laughs> only thing
0: that has actually been scientifically proven as is digestible and is good for your digestive system is the pith that very bitter inner lining.
1: Oh, the white stuff?
0: The white stuff where it looks oh, like of a little course. it looks like butter. Well,
1: I always eat that.
0: Yes, Then the pith is really good for your digestive system and it's super bitter. So what does that do? What does bitter do for your body? It promotes
1: I don't really know how to put it into words.
0: Okay, so when we eat bitter, it promotes the gallbladder to release more bile into the liver and then the liver dumps bile into the stomach to create greater digestion so any bitter herbs bitter grasses and bitter fruit did you know that melons originally were small and bitter and they're called heirloom melons are called bitter lemon and or sorry hmm. bitter melon and bitter melon was intended to be eaten first. Melons are always supposed to be eaten alone and first. But we're not talking watermelon, which has been hybridized in order to create a sweeter fruit. We're talking heirloom small bitter melons. Now, when I started gardening in in summer of 2020 or spring of 2020, I went and got heirloom bitter melon seeds from natural grocers and grew and only one bitter melon came out. It was so tiny, it had three huge seeds in it. The whole thing was mostly seeds. And I was like, that's it. I've got to try this. I didn't have enough sun and I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough of the right elements to grow a bigger melon. I still have the seeds, but I actually tried an heirloom bitter melon and it is crazy bitter. There's, yeah, it still has glucose in it. All plants have glucose in them. All plants have protein in them. All plants have vitamins and minerals in them. Mm-hmm. That's plants. That's that's the foundation of plants. Mm-hmm. So when people say you're a plant-based eater, where do you get your protein from? Plants. Fruit has protein in it. It's just lesser grams, which are more absorbable.
1: Right. So the the whole idea with being on a, a raw food diet is you're just you're consuming more throughout the day, essentially.
0: Uh, to start with, uh-huh. you are for the first few years, and if you are consistent and you stay on the raw plant diet, your body begins to become satiated and it doesn't need to eat as much. Now, there are people who are on a raw plant-based diet who just love to eat. I know a few of them. Some of them are listening to this right now and they love to eat and that's great. I eat because my body needs the nourishment. You already know I'm not a foodie. If I didn't have to eat I wouldn't. So I eat as much as my body requires and when my body feels satiated, I stop. I don't overeat. I used to. It's easy on a raw food diet in the beginning to feel like you're not getting enough simply because the food is less dense. And it's also easy once your body has met its its nutritional needs after a few years, and it's it's kind of made up for that if you started on a standard American diet or a cooked cooked diet. It's also easy for you to begin to kind of overeat because you still just, you almost, it's like the brain is voracious to kind of still feel like it's catching up. I experienced that. Mm-hmm. In the first years, I used to overeat a on my raw lo- plant-based diet. A lot of diet. people
1: also don't eat out of necessity. They no. They eat out of- um, Boredom.
0: Boredom.
1: Uh, Addiction. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so many things. Uh, it it could be boredom. It could also be a trauma response. It could be. It a could billion be anything. It's, a, yeah. it's
0: it's an avoidance. It's a cover up. Food
1: could be just as it's much an of an addiction. addiction as anything else.
0: I find yeah. food is one of the biggest addictions that humans have. Yeah. And again, as we talked about in the beginning of this episode, it's also something that we have as a humanity, as a species, looked upon. As a social gathering, yeah, centerpiece. A form of
1: connection. It is food as a social aspect cannot be like overstated enough. It's it's yeah. so so important. It it's it is literally fundamentally one of the aspects of socialization that like forms bounds and and connect or bound uh, bonds and connections.
0: What I have learned from being social as a raw foodie, as a raw plant-based eater, people say to me, well, what do you do at social functions and how do you go to restaurants? Well, I don't really. I was never a big restaurant person. But if the last time I went to a restaurant, which was in Portland, I just brought my tea. I just went in and sat with everybody else while I drank tea. It didn't bother anybody else. Nobody cared. I was just there for the conversation. I didn't need to eat. They were eating earlier. I don't eat until later in the day. And of course, that became a fascinating topic. I'm one of those way showers that I'm fine being the freakazoid person in the room. I'm. My body is way more important to me and my health is way more important to me than how I'm looked upon by others. So... It's an, I always look at that as an opportunity for me to help educate people if they want to be educated, to give people um, information, um, you know, for source of enlightenment, for knowledge, to inspire them, whatever. But at social functions, which were always at the yoga studios and the gyms that I worked at, I would just bring a watermelon or um I would and, or a big thing of berries that was my big thing was to bring berries and or. Watermelon and I would bring a knife, and they would usually have a platter for me, and I would always bring my own tea because I'm a green tea fanatic. and there would be junk food, brownies, a lot of meat, fried crap, they sometimes have an open bar. And as soon as I would show up, which was always late, because I always had you three, and sometimes I'd take you three in tow with me, um, I would put out the fruit people would see it, I'd walk away from the table, I'd be drinking my tea, I'd be talking with somebody. You guys would usually be on the dance floor playing around or you guys would be in, the, you know, in the yoga union tea room or whatever, and I noticed that within 1 hour or less, all of my fruit was gone. Everybody ate my fruit. Very few people touched the meat, the brownies, <laughs> and the fruit, and the booze, the sugar, <laughs> the sweet stuff. That was gone, but my fruit, and it was so simple. It was literally just people's food co-op, farmer's market, blueberries. That would be the first thing to go as soon as I showed up. And then several people would usually come up to me before we left, which was always early because I had three kids and they would say, I saw you brought the fruit, thank you so much. I could not get to that table fast enough. (laughs) Thank you so much. I heard that from so many people. Every time we went to a social gathering at any yoga studio, it wasn't just at Yoga Union. There was many. And they're like, Sonia's here. She brought the fruit. And people also wanted to know, what what are you drinking? Drinking green tea. Oh, did you bring, can I have some? Everybody always wanted the simple tea and the fruit that I was eating. So... Back to Ayurveda. With Ayurveda, it's all about how to create balance in your system by balancing your food and balancing your sleep cycles, which will help you to have a clear mind. It will help you to have clear eyesight It will help you to have clearer hearing. It It will help you to taste better. It'll help your digestive system. And finding out what your doshas are is key. For me, being a pitta vata, dominant in the doshas, I know that I need to eat a heavily kapha diet. And since I eat a heavily kapha diet, I eat a lot of green food, which is very kapha. It has calmed my personality exponentially i mean like like i used to just be just erratic overly emotional dramatic i'm already dramatic but now i just kind of make it into a joke and i'm theatrical on purpose but then it was like it was very i was very panicked um hypercritical it brought out the worst in my personality too i mean i already talk a lot as it is but i mean just like incessant chatter And making assumptions, a lot of assumption making and taking things personally. A lot of that. I've always been pretty impeccable with my word, but, and I've always done my best. I'm thinking about, you know, the four agreements, but like taking things personally when I was eating um, a lot of spice was difficult. The thing I want to share about spice with Ayurveda is that, and, and with TCM, there are Three spices that are considered very supportive to all of the doshas. Do you know what they are?
1: No, I have no idea. Can you guess? Uh, one of them is ginger, ginger. I'm assuming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. G- Ginger's a pretty obvious one. Um, is cayenne pepper in there?
0: Yeah, you know so much more than you think you okay. do. Yep, and there's uh, a third one.
1: Third one.
0: It's a spice, but it's also a root, just like ginger
1: uh turmeric yeah turmeric's turmeric, a spice it is it's kind of a Lord, spice yeah I don't think turmeric is spicy at it all. is a
0: spice it's a calming spice interesting yep so turmeric turmeric's more
1: like bitter than anything else
0: yeah it's huh. a bitter it's a bitter spice interesting so turmeric those three go across the board for bringing balance for all the doshas for all of them cayenne pepper Surprisingly, is very soothing. Cayenne to pepper to do is one of my system. favorite spices. I, I love
1: cayenne pepper. I sometimes I'll just buy whole cayenne pepper when it's in season, and I'll cook with it. It's really delicious. We have it. Oh, I whole, bought it whole cayenne. Pepper? I got it
0: from natural grocers for you. It's in the drawer.
1: Oh no no no! You're talking about the ground up cayenne pepper.
0: No, I'm talking about the little whole, the little whole corns.
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
0: yeah oh, I got it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, because you talked about it. Because yeah. I keep trying to get cayenne pepper in my body, but my digestive system, my microbiome is just too off balance, and so my body doesn't want any spice other than ginger. Ginger's my favorite spice. I also love black pepper, but it's been a long time since I've ugh, had black pepper. I find
1: black pepper to be such a mess spice. <laughs> There's just nothing to it. Like, ugh, black pepper? Oh, my goodness. Well, How then much what more about white pepper? could you get? Ugh. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs>
0: what about it's... red pepper? The red peppercorns, you know, there's the three, and then I don't there's know green. I've never had red. There's green red. peppercorns. Pepper peppercorns are actually they grow on trees.
1: Interesting. I don't think I've ever had red or green peppercorns. You
0: have. I, gave it to you I, I don't I remember
1: that. Not at all. I
0: bought them from the bulk section at people's and I had, they had so they have the mixed peppercorn um, thing in the bulk section. And so they had green, black, red, and white mixed all together. Yeah, well,
1: I, I'm not going to remember that. It's been way, it's been way too <laughs> long. I don't, here's what you got to understand when it comes to spice, I do not grind things up. I buy the whole pepper and I chop it up and I, I just pop it in. So I'm going for a jalapeno. I'm going oh, for a Oh, you're cayenne. talking about
0: fruit. That's fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But pepper that's, fruit. That, that,
1: that's spice. That's spice for me. That's like my <laughs> that's my threshold for spice. And I you know, I love ginger. I don't usually put it in a lot of things, but I love ginger. Yeah, that's a root. I love turmeric obviously. That's a root. Yeah, I love, my, I love my roots. You probably
0: love galangal roots. I don't have
1: it a lot. I've had it a couple times. Usually yeah. when I get like uh, food out somewhere. Yeah, um, like
0: is totally up your alley. Oh yeah, it's so yeah, But it's like pungent, I, I go odd. for
1: I go for the the pepper fruits. <laughs> I go for the uh, you know the jalapenos, the cayennes, the habaneros. You're
0: going for the fruit, the spicy fruit.
1: That stuff is where it's at. You
0: talk about how you don't eat fruit, but you love citrus. You love Granny Smith and Newtown Pippin apples, and you love peppers.
1: No, you're absolutely right. Those are all fruit. I I say I don't eat fruit because uh, on average, I'm not... I mean I know a lot of like fruit lovers and I'm not somebody who's going to go for well, like I am. a lot yeah I'm a fruit lover yeah, exactly. I start my day
0: with a watermelon or mangoes or sometimes a strawberry papaya I like yeah. I I'm mostly fruitarian Right, it's you what know, my body asks for I just for. can't
1: I can't get as into it <laughs> I'm just not as into like fruit all the time I like I like fruit and like you like you said there are specific fruits that I really go for
0: You do and you like avocado sometimes right
1: yeah, I do. I just And you hate, do like cucumbers I in I hate when I buy avocado from the store, it is always stringy. <laughs>
0: That's that's the Haas. The, You've got to no, get I've the tried, Fuertes. I've tried a lot of different avocados. I've tried,
1: I've tried bacons. I've tried Fuertes. I've tried all oh, this stuff. man. I just, it always is like, I can never get the ripeness quite right. Okay. It always comes out stringy somehow. Oh, and the
0: reed. The reed or the big round ones. Oh, those ones. are the
1: most disappointing. Those are the <laughs> most disappointing ones. I want them to be good so badly. For some reason, it's only good if I get it from a restaurant. And what? then it's like, oh, they have amazing avocado at restaurants what? What? somehow. So you have
0: to put them in a paper bag like all other fruit. Because they're fatty fruit. Yeah, you have to have ripen to them with apples and pears. And they'll ripen up really quickly. Yeah. Which is how I have, you know, i got my whole mango bag thing going out there with a couple of apples in it to help it to ripen. So the ethylene gas off yeah. gases to them. And you also have to put them over heat. But, you know, when we finally do get a homestead with the community <laughs> and we, we greenhouse... We're definitely gonna get a couple of avocado and not haas. We're gonna get some really, really good buttery, creamy, higher fat content avocados just for you. Yeah. So that we can I, get I them avocado. ripe off the tree, you can pick them up off the ground and they will be that
1: That'd be fabulous. Incredible.
0: And then they're the fiber, and then there's very few fibers in
1: them. Yeah, I, I love avocado. It's really delicious. Um yeah, I just, I, I'm so tired of disappointing. Here's the thing with fruit. <laughs> it's, it's gotta, I, for some reason, and I don't really have this with a lot of other foods. It just applies for some reason. Like, I don't have this with vegetables, really. I'll eat just about any vegetable. But for some reason, with fruit, I have such, like, a texture thing. It's the texture that kills me in, like, so many fruits. And it's just, like, the end, uh, like, what's a good example here? Strawberries. Strawberries. strawberries
0: actually are not technically a fruit remember i told you they're the stamen of a flower
1: that's fascinating i, I told you that about the time
0: that. that you were in the three four five at odyssey is when i did that first nutrition i think i did the first nutrition thing and we literally went to the columbia river bank and we picked wild strawberries They're tiny and they were coming out of the ground out of a, out of a, the uh, unripened flower. And then, so they flower. Mm. So strawberries flower. And then the center of the flower is the little stamen and they're super tiny and they don't, they're not sweet. They're super tart. They're super packed with vitamin C. You can bite one and you get that hyper essential oil of strawberry flavor. And it's super, super tart. And you're like, oh my
1: God. Yeah. Well, I was going to say strawberries are, you know, I guess if they're not a fruit, it's really not the same. But strawberries are just an example of something where, like, the flavor is delicious, but I have this weird, like, gag reflex that happens. <laughs> you never liked them. I love the flavor. They no, taste. You, you they never, taste amazing. You
0: never did well with strawberries. Yeah, at all. It,
1: but but like I can. It's it's a weird thing because I acknowledge that they taste really good. They do. It's just that I have a few of them and I get this gaggy thing. I know. I it's remember. It's the same. It. It's the same thing with bananas. It's the same <laughs> thing with mangoes. I get this weird gaggy thing and I just like can't. It's the same thing with raspberries, but not blackberries, just raspberries. <laughs> um, and it's the same thing with.
0: But you love uh, blueberries. You always. Love I blue-
1: love blueberries. let should go to you pick. I love blueberries. Blueberries are incredible, but yet again, I don't know. I just don't go for them unless they're right in front of me.
0: I used to get blueberries from from people's, and I used to order like a case because in October. You know, Oregon blueberries are some of the most superior blueberries on the planet. And I i think we probably went to you Pick about three years in a row. You guys resisted it after a while. Oh, I don't want to go there. But it was so fun because you get to eat while you pick. And we went, the last farm that we went to, they were using the super rich mineral silt, the silica stuff. It was a f- small family they had bought that, that parcel of land um, like three years prior. They had a, a couple of little kids running around in cloth diapers, half naked. They were a super back-to-earth hippie family. And the husband, dad, he was really young. He couldn't have been older than 30. He had figured out how to remineralize the soil. And their blueberries were like melting in our hands when we picked them. They were so fat. And we got so full really quickly because they were so filled with minerals. They were some of the best blueberries I've ever had. And you, I remember you were, and our fingers were just stained purple blue. And you were a little bit older. You must have been, you must have been probably fourth or fifth grade at that point. And I remember you were like, I'm so full. And we had barely started. And you said, and the, the the farmer he told us what he had done to the soil to restore it in order to make the blueberries so good, and and you were like, oh my god, I'm having a completely different experience eating these blueberries. Do you remember that? Do you remember that farm? Yeah,
1: I I remember not necessarily individually, like I couldn't pinpoint each individual experience, but just in general, um, you picking at blueberry farms was definitely a big highlight for me growing up, and the blueberries that I had from some of these farms, like I remember the taste of them in my head. They were so good, you know? So it's like, so good. Yeah. We, we have amazing blueberries up here and I love blueberries. Um, and I honestly will say that it, it, it is true. Like fruit is extremely filling. I feel like fruit is undercredited for how filling it is. I don't find vegetables to be nearly as filling as fruit is. Um, something about fruit. Like I can have one apple and I'll be like, man, I feel like done. You it's know, it's the
0: it's the electricity in it that the the glucose and the water and the fiber hold. They soak up the sun. And we are designed in these bodies to eat directly from the trees, the bushes, and the ground from the sun-drenched food, because we're really looking for the sunlight, which is why vitamin D, which is not a vitamin, it's a hormone that your liver actually makes. From the photosynthesis conversion of sun hitting the skin, that is also nourishment for us, which is why in the summertime when you go outside and you're in the sun for at least an hour, you're not as hungry. You And then everybody's bodies start to slip yeah, down. Yeah,
1: I miss that feeling. I I really, the, the more like I, I have been aware of it over these these past few years the more i like i i yearn for that that sun-soaked feeling i love that feeling you know
0: it's 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 our health and it 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 helps your brain hemispheres to balance it increases serotonin levels it balances your endocrine system the entire body balances from the nourishment of getting That essential photosynthesis and then the liver can convert it into vitamin D. And vitamin D helps your bones to to create more calcium. It develops bone density, which is why in fortified, you know, cereals and milk, they add synthetic vitamin D to synthetic calcium in there, knowing. But what I love about Ayurveda is that Ayurveda supports being out in nature, and eating nature in a way that's balanced. And when I gravitated towards being more, living more of a yogic lifestyle, as I went into teacher training in 2011 and finished it in 2012, I really brought Ayurveda into our household so much more. And we really dived deep into it. And I did all of your doshas and, Started to bring more of that food as I worked with Dr. Gabriel Cousins. I started to bring in, and, and he's a raw foodie. And, and he said, Ayurveda can totally support a raw food diet, a raw plant-based diet. And so we started to switch into that more. And I really just kind of brought the balance between both TCM and Ayurveda into our household. And I noticed that when you kids were eating at home, you were getting healthier. I don't know if you remember, we did two summers where we were 100% raw. Yeah. And you yeah, guys I ate mostly fruit and your hay fever went away. Yeah. Your hay fever was done. Yeah. Yeah. That I, one I had, year.
1: I had the least, the least health issues that I've ever had in my life. Yeah. No, I, I'm fully aware that like most. It, it's, it's that the level of purity in that food is just so strong. You're There's really no like gunk to have to clean out.
0: No. So you were asking me before we're done with this. You oh, were,
1: yeah. You're right. You I forgot were, about that. Yeah.
0: You were asking me about what creates the most gunk because you yeah, made the keyword. I, yeah, I said true. sugar. Yeah. Yes. Dairy.
1: Yeah. I noticed that immediately. Dairy.
0: Dairy yeah. is detrimental to the body. It's poison.
1: Dairy is by far the most, like, Im- I get immediate, like, symptoms from from eating dairy. Um, not like, I don't really get, like, stomach upset or anything like that, but it shows up in my skin immediately, and... I noticed the same thing with sugar. Sugar and dairy are the two things that like appear in my skin almost immediately. Pimples in the face a lot of times. I know in Chinese medicine the different areas of the face. Yes, the Chinese face represent different, different uh organs. Um
0: so when you're doing right here, right next to your nose, going out into the sinuses. Mm-hmm. That's colon. That's large intestine.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like I you know, I get yep. like pimples around here a lot or yep. like on my nose. That means your um, that means your
0: gut biome has been knocked off.
1: Yeah, so that's sugar and, and, dairy. and dairy. And dairy is dairy is the most immediate and the longest lasting. Um I also get styes a lot with dairy. Yeah. I get styes pretty much immediately. Dairy and sugar, two things that bring out styes in my eyes. Yeah. Um. I never really ate meat a whole lot, but even though I could feel the heaviness of meat, it never had an impact like that. Dairy and sugar, by far, two biggest impacts.
0: Well, the next thing that has got the worst gunky impact on the entire system is, of course, anything processed and heavily fr- fried food. Horrible. Cancer-causing. Period. Um, overbaked, burnt bread. Mm-hmm. White potatoes, starchy potatoes. Potatoes are horrible.
1: Yeah. M- white maybe rice. just high starch.
0: High starch. White, all of the bleached foods, the bleached rices, the commercial rices. And all bread. All bread is detrimental, period. It's glue. And um, potatoes, especially white potatoes, red potatoes aren't a whole lot better either. And that's different than yams and sweet potatoes. Those are two different things. So sweet potatoes and yams. Sweet potatoes are actually considered a superfood. They're so high in vitamin A and yams are also considered more beneficial to the body than, than potatoes. Potatoes are highly, highly toxic to the body and white rices, very, very heavily starchy rices, very gummy, gluey glutinous and grain. Grain causes a lot of problems, hence the bread. Grain is incredibly problematic for these human bodies. Birds are grain eaters. They don't need it processed. They literally have a beak that can pierce the hull of the little seed at the top of the grass and eat it and get its nutritional benefits right away. But which is why birds want to eat grain. And then they have the scarecrows out there and you're like, but that's their natural food and that's not your natural food. Corn is horrible for our bodies. Horrible. Horrible starch. It's been GMO'd and hybridized and it causes so much damage. So baked things, very, very difficult, causes a lot of gunk buildup and it it clogs up the small intestine and causes a lot of backup and it and, and it can be accumulative. It can be um, over the course of years of eating that continuously. Um, I mean, pasta is horrible for our bodies. It's terrible. Um and then, of course, then, then I'm going to go into animal, eating animal. I mean, uh, eating all of the animal, the best animal that you can eat, uh, and when the ocean was clean, would be fish, would be the most optimal.
1: It's definitely, it was definitely the most transparent animal that I've ever eaten. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it felt, it, and I'm talking about like immediate feeling. After you immediately eat fish, it feels the least heavy. Um, it's the it,
0: least dense, yeah, and it, it, it's it's omega three oils are highly beneficial for the brain. but
1: they then you're suck also in horrible ocean water we're talking all day.
0: about the toxic oceans, yeah. toxic lakes, toxic streams, toxic creeks, yeah, et cetera, absolutely. et cetera. All the water on this planet is pretty toxic, except for spring water coming mm-hmm. out. Because that's coming out from aquifers or under the surface. Or they're coming
1: from fish farms and, you know, they've been heavily imbued with hormones and all so kinds of stuff. So the commercial
0: fish that people buy at the grocery store in the supermarket has, is farmed fish. And I've been to a fish farm on the Oregon coast. It was horrific. The stench. And I'd never heard, I didn't know that fish could scream. Never heard fish scream. They scream. They don't have, they're in pens. They're grown that way. They don't have any room. They're smacking against each other and then they cause cuts in each other's bodies with their tails. And so there's bloody water flying, batting all around and they're screaming. It was, it was traumatic for me to see it. And I wasn't eating commercial fish anyway. I wasn't eating fish at the time. I was vegan. But I, had, I, had, I didn't know and it was, it was in my, my Master Veg 101 course that I took that it was necessary for us to see that. And we saw a sardine commercial farm and a herring commercial farm. It was so bad. And I was like, nobody needs to be, nobody needs to eat this. They're living. They have a consciousness. They have a spinal column. They have a brain. They, so you're just getting their acid fear
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I feel, I feel, I feel as though that is an extremely understudied area of nutritional science, the, uh, the, the emotional state of a being when they die and its effect upon the flesh that the that you are consuming. of course consuming. because
0: your cells absorb what you take in and the vibration that they're holding fear is the lowest vibration all beings with a spinal column and a brain can experience fear
1: mm-hmm. yeah no I I definitely believe that the um, The state of acidity of a a body releasing, uh, releasing all of those, you know, fear endorphins, all of those. All, all of those those pre-death fear endorphins, what, what those can do. We go do. into fight or
0: flight. Then we go into survival and adrenaline. Because your
1: muscles like when you're when you're in that state, you're like tense. Your whole body's it's tense. adrenaline. You know, they're on it's adrenaline. Like,
0: I, gotta yeah. I gotta get out. I gotta get out of here. I don't know how adrenaline. we
1: expect animals to be any different. It's not like they're in like a peaceful, relaxed state unless they are literally completely unaware of their imminent death. But you know, they the problem know. is when they're all stuck together. Yeah, they're they're no, they they're, know. they're probably aware of their death. They you know? know
0: they know when they're going <laughs> yeah, to I, die. I,
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't see how that would be possible for them to not be aware. It's horrible. Uh, you know, I think you would have to you would have to raise an animal or like hunt a wild animal in very specific conditions for it to not be aware that it's about to die.
0: Yeah, yeah. So those are the those are the things, the main things that you just don't want to put through your body Mm. because it's going to clog up your digestive system. And the body sees all of that as pathogenic. And then it's going to go to the liver because everything goes to the liver. All toxins go to the liver. And so your liver gets stuffed with dairy. And then the gallbladder, the little glowing green pear-shaped organ that sits underneath the liver on your lower right side, that produces a bunch of bile... That looks like crazy antifreeze mm. in from your car. And that wall that they, that puts a wall of green over the toxin and it, it becomes hardened, kind of like clay, because your body will try to take as much water out of it as possible to use. The body will the body efficiently tries to use absolutely everything. And what it cannot use, it releases as waste. But if it cannot release it as waste because things are gumming up the system, everything's going to get sent to the liver. And then if the liver is overpacked with bile stones, then some of that's going to slip down into the gallbladder. And
1: yeah. then that's
0: going to go over to the spleen. And then it's going to go and into also, the pancreas. If you're,
1: if you're taking if you're taking pharmaceuticals on a regular basis, your liver cannot possibly excrete all of the excess waste from those pharmaceuticals. No. For example, I was looking up, uh, I was looking up, um, uh, the drugs that they use for, uh, men's hair, uh, oh mi- minoxidil.
0: Yeah. It's um, bad.
1: Minoxidil is a very, very interesting one to look at because it's a regular, it's a regular application, whether orally or topically. And, uh, from, from their own studies, the liver is only capable of getting rid of 95% of the drug that you, that you take in, which means that there's 5% that's left in there. And you're doing this regularly. Every day is, is what you recommend. So that's a regular 5% accumulation of excess waste from this drug. And I feel like people just breeze by that like it's nothing. But what is your liver going to do with all that stuff that apparently, according to their own studies, you can't get rid of?
0: So it builds up. And the thing that you're taking it for, eventually, it's going to bypass that because your liver is too toxic. And your body is always going to try to release toxins the most efficient ways. The first way is through sweating through the skin. But if you're not sweating through the skin, then it's going to be also through urine and through defecation, through pooping. And then the third way is through vomiting. If you can't get rid of it all that way, then it's going to start sending it to your extremities. And those pharmaceuticals can sometimes have heavy metals in them as well. That is going to go immediately as far away from the heart as possible. The body always protects the heart. The body then protects the other internal organs. It protects the endocrine system. So, everything's going to go to your extremities. So, you're going to start having brittle nails that split easily. You lose your hair because it's sending heavy metals to the hair follicles to try to get out because you have main sweat glands up here all along your hairline. It's going to send it to the armpits. So people start getting lumps in their armpits. For women, it's going to go to the breast tissue particularly. So women start experiencing lumps in their breast tissue. It's going to go to the feet. It's going to go to the hands. People start having numbness and tingling in their hands and feet. Swelling, it's going to go to the ankles. It's going to get stuck in the knees. It's going to get stuck in all those places. And it's also going to get stuck in the inner thighs right near the first watershed, which are the lymph nodes right on the inside of your, your hip folds. So then you're going to start having all of these problems in those areas. And the wonderful thing with Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine is it addresses those issues. When people go to the allopathic medical system and say, why am I having all these symptoms? I don't think they're they're symptoms. Why Why are my feet swelling? And what does Western medicine do? Western medicine goes to the feet. Mm -hmm. It starts putting something topical on the feet and asks you to lie down and put your feet up against the wall and starts giving you drugs to reduce the swelling in your feet. That's not going to do any good. Then you got drugs and you got more toxins going into your liver. Ayurveda is going to go, all right, let's go to the heart. Let's look in your mouth. Let's take your pulse, just like TCM does. I'm going to look in your eyes. Both have an eye iridology system looking into the eyes. Let's smell your breath. And then we're going to start, first of all, with getting everything flowing. And then we're going to look at your diet. What are you eating? Both of those systems look at your teeth diet.
1: Yeah, it's the acknowledgement that your body is one operating system within a lot uh, with within which a lot of different components communicate as opposed to thinking that I, I don't even it, it's weird because it's like science doesn't acknowledge this at all but for some reason but for some reason this almost seems to be the assumption that allopathic medicine takes. Uh, We're
0: going to put you through a battery of tests and we're going to look at all your symptom areas. It's it's just
1: thinking of like, it's like if you took a computer and you were like, and you were like, oh yeah, you know, this part like isn't working. So let me just like replace like the part or like work on that like one part. Instead of looking
0: at the motherboard.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe a computer, maybe a computer is a bad example because you can just, you can just fix parts. With a computer, I guess you can just put in, you can just put in a new part and it'll work fine. But the the body is more complex because there's, there's blood that's flowing between all of these different parts. So you you can assume that infection spreads. Things spread from one part to another. So what you are experiencing with the feet might be a result of an infection coming from somewhere else. And, and that's the difference, I guess, between a human body and a computer, which I didn't really acknowledge. But yeah. That's
0: yeah, true. but no, that's it. And the bottom line with the body, period, no matter what healing system that you use is the body has to circulate, which is what I said in the beginning of this, this podcast, the body has to circulate. So if you want to eat a bunch of shit and you can keep your body circulating and you can keep your liver circulating and you're not eating a chemical that's going to shut down your sphincter of OD that connects your liver to your intestinal system, then eat a bunch of shit if you can keep it open. If you can keep your valves open so that you can get rid of the plastics and the rubbers and all of the junk. But the whole point is the body has to always circulate. And that's what I love about TCM and Ayurveda is that's its number one foundation. This medicinal system is based on the body has to keep light, chi or prana flowing.
1: Thank you so much, everyone, for checking out this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, If you have any feedback, we would love to hear it. So you can leave us a response on our Q&A forms, which I know you can find on Spotify. I don't know if they have them on Apple, but I would check that out or any of the other platforms. Or we have a Patreon group where we do a one-hour-long Q&A session every single Sunday. So you can find us on Patreon. Uh, patreon slash one long conversation and we would love to hear from you we'd love to get you involved in the process and uh, heal everyone collectively that's that's sort of the goal with this is inner healing for the self for the collective uh, let's just find the best way to do it get it all out there and uh, move forward so thank you guys so much and we will see you for next week's episode